All right. Grab your seats, would you? Grab your seats. I asked them to go a little bit longer tonight, and they're like, you know, Daniel, what you're asking us to do is going to take it longer. I said, I know. Do it. Thank you. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut the two-minute thing, the greet, meet and greet. We'll talk afterwards, all right? We good? You okay with just opening the Word of God and getting right to it? Thank you. I'm going to do that anyway. So grab your Bibles. Turn to Ruth chapter 4, and we will open the Scriptures here and read it and pray. So uh, I'm thankful to be preaching tonight. I, Brett Davis led us off, and then Chris, Dr. Chris Green, and then Andrew Arndt, and I'm so thrilled to be here tonight. So uh, thank you for, um, we just have a deep bench around this place, and it's a, it's a gift to me to be able to take a couple weeks of, of a breather. So hear the word of the Lord from Ruth chapter four. I'll read this. It's gonna be in the message translation, so that'll be on the screen and uh, I should tell you one, one announcement. We are not having church next Friday night, okay? So it's the Friday after Thanksgiving. A lot of people will be traveling. We try to shut it down for our staff here because Christmas is wild for us. So we're giving our team the week off. So if you come next Thursday or Friday, you can just sit in the parking lot. Um, but we won't be here to have church. We'll have church on Sunday. So enjoy a great week with your people. Ruth chapter four, the message translation hear the word of the Lord, it says this, Boaz went straight to the public square and he took his place there. Before long, the closer relative, the one mentioned earlier by Boaz, strolled by. Step aside, old friend, said Boaz, take a seat. The man sat down. So a bit of context if you're new to this story. Ruth and Naomi have come back from Moab to the town of Bethlehem. They've both lost their husbands. They're vulnerable women in a patriarchal society. And it's really scary to go out on these ancient highways. And somehow they make it back to Bethlehem without getting jumped. And they're there and they're poor and they don't have anyone fighting for them. But ancient Israel had created this beautiful system that said if, if a husband died and left a widow one of his family members, the closer relative, would have the chance to take her in and help bring strength and provision to her and keep the family going. And so there is this closer relative. Boaz has his eyes on Ruth. And he's the second in line to be able to say, yes, Ruth, I'll take you into my house. He's not married. Ruth is not married. But there's a first closer relative in front of Boaz. You got the context? So he says, step aside, let's talk. Verse two, Boaz then gathered 10 of the town elders together and he said, sit down here with us. We've got some business to take care of. Do you see the urgency here? And they sat down. Verse three, Boaz then said to his relative, the piece of property that belonged to our relative Elimelech, who's died, is being sold by his widow Naomi, who's just returned from the country of Moab. And I thought you ought to know about it because you're next in line. Buy it back if you want it. You can make it official in the presence of those sitting here and before the town elders. Let's do business right now. You have the first redeemer rights. If you don't want it, tell me so I'll know where I stand. By the way, I don't want you to want it, is what Boaz is saying. You're first in line to do this and I'm next after you. He said, I'll buy it. The, the first in line said, I'll buy it. And then Boaz added, just so you know, you realize, don't you, that when you buy the field from Naomi, you also get Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of our dead relative, along with the redeemer responsibility to have children with her, to carry on the family 
inheritance. There are legal ramifications here, and, and you don't just get the land. You, you get the whole package, and you've got work to do, and you, you're going to have to split up the inheritance. And then the relative said, oh, I can't do that. I jeopardize my own family's inheritance. I've got the spreadsheet figured out for the future. You go ahead and buy it, and you can have my rights. I can't do it. In the olden times in Israel, this is how they handled official business regarding matters of property and inheritance. A man would take off his shoe and give it to the other person, and this was the same as an official seal or personal signature in Israel. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. So when Boaz's redeemer relative said, go ahead and buy it, Boaz signed the deal by pulling off his shoe. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us tonight. We've just been in your presence and we feel the spirit racing through this place. Our hearts are enlivened, our souls are stirred. And we pray, Lord, that your word would come and do what only your word can do, which is bring us back to life. We all carry areas of death and we need you, Lord, to address us tonight, and so I simply pray, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. What a journey this book of Ruth has been. Uh, The big sweep of the gospel story has been crammed down into one little tiny story right here in Ruth. We see kind of the the echo and the resonances of, of the great sweep of the salvation story playing out with these two vulnerable women and this guy Boaz, and it's been a beautiful journey to be on. Tonight, I wanna point out and reflect on just a few ideas I'll put in front of you. The first thing When I read Ruth, I see a community and a culture of blessing. When I read this book, I I see a community and a culture of blessing. Dr. Chris Green, two weeks ago when he was speaking, he pointed out a really interesting fact about this book, and it's this, that there, there is no bad character in this story. There are no villains There are no people fighting against each other here. There's no no one that's chippy or sarcastic or caustic or mean-spirited. There's no one who's jealous or jockeying for power here. There's no one, there's no one that's wanting someone else to lose for them to win. There's just decency. There's kindness. There's this community that knows they've just come through a famine and there's this community that recognizes these two very vulnerable women who've just gone through the worst decade of their lives and they're coming back to town and somehow there's an embrace. There's a community and a culture of blessing and that's the community that I wanna be right here at New Life Church. I want us to be this kind of people where there's blessing everywhere. It says in verse 11, then the elders and all the people at the city gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, Boaz, Ruth, who's coming into your home, may she be like Rachel and Leah. Think about the old Genesis story, Rachel and Leah, who who, who together built up the family of Israel. These are the two women who had the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. Through these two women, the people of God were established and they raced forth and they settled the promised land. And these people say about Ruth coming into Boaz's home, may she be like Rachel and Leah all in one right here. May she be strong and May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem and 
Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah, Perez means to burst forth. Like to shoot out of the womb. That's literally what it means. This child shot out of the womb. There were twins in there. And actually the story goes, the first child was coming out first. And, and uh, Perez stuck his hand out and pulled the other one back. And then he came out first. Like, like talk about vigor. <laughs> like this guy is a scrapper. He's not afraid. He's bursting forth. He's ready to meet the world. And, and, and they say about Ruth, may she be so blessed and be like Rachel and Leah, and may she bear a child like Perez who shoots out into the world to change the world for good. They're a people speaking blessing, and it goes on. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women of the community, look at this, a community and a culture of blessing. The women in the community said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, the grandmother Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. (laughs) They went off into the foreign country and her husband died and her two sons died and she's only experienced brokenness for decades and now they come back home and she's finally got a grandbaby and the women of the community say, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without guardian redeemer and may he become famous throughout Israel and he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law Ruth who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons she has given birth to him then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him and now watch this detail this is the first time in scripture that I've seen this happen the women living there in the community said Naomi has a son And they, the community of women, they named him Obed. Obed, which means servant of God. Can you imagine the whole community getting together and going, do you know what this woman has been through? And she's lost her husband and she's lost her sons and she was out on the road all by herself and she was sure she was gonna die alone and look what God has done. And she's given him a grandson and this is a servant of God and may he be blessed. It makes me want to have another kid just to have the women of New Life Friday night name it. Dad, gummit, what a great idea. Lisa, let's talk. The women named the boy. They're all so happy. They're all so happy. A community of blessing, and, and I just want to say around here, we will be a community of blessing. We will always honor our elders in this congregation. We will not let our old people die alone and die unnoticed. We will bless our elders. We will honor our fathers and mothers. It will go well with us as we do that. And, and I, if you're an elder around here, you have, you have status in this congregation. We bless you, and we will honor you, and we will stand with you, and we will walk you into your rest so you can go see Jesus, and then we'll be, we'll be behind you shortly. We will take care of you. We will be a community of blessing. This is why we will always care for single moms and single dads in this congregation. We will be a community of blessing. We will always honor people with specialized needs in this congregation. We will always champion children and pray over them in this congregation. One of my favorite things to see every single week is before church and after church. This place is a hornet's nest of children. 
And they just are praising the Lord and worshiping God, crawling under the chairs and gorging themselves on candy and on cheap communion elements. <laughs> and it's my favorite thing. I just watch them and I go, God, thank you for making us a community of blessing around here. And Jesus is the one who gathers the little children. Let them come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he lays hands on them and he kisses them and he sends them back to their parents. And we're gonna be like that in this congregation, a community and a culture of blessing. And I want our congregation to be a sacred canopy under which our people can grow in God. We live in a world that is just cannibalizing itself to death. And we, the people of God, are different. We don't have to have someone else lose for us to win. <laughs> we just go, hey, you're coming in here? There's blessing here for you. There's joy here for you. God sets the lonely into families. We are going to be a community and culture of blessing. And we live in a cultural moment where nobody seems to know what to say. And I'll just say it's simple. Speak blessing. Speak blessing. That's what we do. So that's the first thing that I see, a community and culture of blessing. The second thing that I wanna say is that when I read Ruth, I see a community committed to carrying things to completion for the living. This whole community rallies around these women. No one is sitting on the sidelines. No one is jealous that, oh, oh Boaz has taken notice of Ruth and oh, he's loaded and why did Ruth get him? I'm so much prettier than Ruth and oh, I've been sitting around here for a decade and I've been strutting my stuff in front of Boaz but he didn't see me and what's wrong? No one is mad. No, and everyone is working together, a community that is committed to carrying people to completion for the living. Elimelech and Kilion and Malone, they were dead and Naomi and Ruth were alone but this Community rallies around them, but I want you to see this. They don't just speak blessing, they supply blessing. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in his small little letter at the back of the book, he, he confronts Christians who just use their words to say blessing, 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 blessing. And he says, you got people walking in among you who have needs, and you go be warmed and be filled, but you don't give them anything. And he goes, you might as well just shut up. Quit wasting your words. Don't talk blessing without supplying blessing. The people of God are those who are committed to carrying people to completion for the, for the living that we stand with people and we supply people. And we see this in this story. In chapter three, Boaz says, who are you? She said, I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, Boaz, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Ruth knows the legal situation here. Ruth knows that Boaz is second in line, like he, he, he might just be the guy. And so she comes and she, she makes him aware of her situation and you're the guardian redeemer, so spread the cloak over, like help me, keep me warm, like don't leave me alone. And what does he say? He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. He also said, he said the Lord bless you, my daughter, right? But then he also said, in verse 15, bring me, bring me the shawl that you've been wearing and hold it out, the coat. Bring me your big warm coat, your winter coat that's massive and spread it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and he placed the bundle on her and then she went back to town. This is a lot of money. Barley, 
This is an agrarian society. We go, what do I give her barley? Give her some cash. Barley was cash. But he just loaded her up with a goodly sum of money. And the rabbis of of ancient Israel, they they speculated on this, like six, six, uh, what is it? Six measures of barley? That's super heavy. And they said that the spirit of the Lord came on Ruth so that she could carry it home. That's how much it was. He said, the Lord bless you, my daughter. And then he supplied blessing, (laughs) which is what the people of God do. As your pastor, this is why I will always unapologetically call you to tithe and to give offerings. I just will. And, and, And I was praying about this today as I was finishing up my notes, and the Lord said, you go first. Lisa and I do this. We, we give every month. We tithe, and that's just part. Like, tithing, tithing is training wheels in the kingdom of God. Like, that, that's not, like, that's just like, here we go, baseline, here we go. We're learning to be generous, right? But the Lord said, you, you go first. You give a sacrificial gift. And tonight, we're giving a sacrificial gift to break the principalities and the powers of greed that are so over our culture, right? Like, this is just something, money gets hooked into us, and the only way I have learned to get free of that is to break it with a gift. <laughs> and so, so, like, you see this is a community that's committed to carrying, taking care of these people and bringing their stories to completion. I want you to see how detailed the description is of this community going to work. In verse 16, it says, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked her, how did it go, my daughter? She knew that Ruth was gonna go talk to Boaz. So she's waiting, pins and needles. Was he, was he kind? Was he generous? Did he care? Did he turn a blind eye? How did it go, my daughter? And then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. He spoke blessing and he supplied blessing. Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Naomi prophetically understands and can see Boaz moving in to, 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 Fulfill his role to do the right thing. And so Boaz goes into go mode and he calls the first redeemer to have the talk. And then he, he calls the first redeemer and the 10 elders to have the talk. And all the people in the town square, it says that they agree with the elders. Yes, we are witnesses. He's got the whole community saying yes and amen about these two women flourishing. A community that's committed to carrying things to completion for the living. And what I want you to see is that God is almost nowhere to be found in this story. It's a very interesting detail. God is, God is not an out front player in this story. He's, he's silently behind the screen, behind the, the screen, uh, behind the scenes. Good Lord, have mercy. He's silently behind the scenes. Yes, moving people by his spirit, but it's not like God is making all of this happen. He's, he's letting the people be the people of God and do what they were made to do. It's not the people, it's the people who show us what God is like in this story. And I'll just say it this way, God has given us permission to do what is right. I just really gotta pray, I I gotta pray about it. Let me just pray about it. Let me me just see if God wants it. And there's certain times when God is going, you don't have to pray about that. If you see the need, it's right there and you have the provision if I've supplied you to be able to step into it, go ahead. 
I give you permission to do what is right. I give you permission to not have to travail in intercession about taking care of people who need help. It's just okay, go for it. God is not out front. He's letting the people be the people of God. And some of you are business owners. I, I, I could go section by section and look friends in the eye and I know how hard you're going and I know how serious you take the work and I want you to know that God blesses that, that God loves, that you have, you're aggressive with building your business and you're aggressive with, with making a difference in the community and you're aggressive with having a business strong enough to employ other people. God is so happy about that and he wants your pockets to be filled so that you can reach down in them and give it away to the people that he's sending your way. And we have a Naomi and Ruth story happening in this church every single day of every single week. I am not lying to you. I'm not exaggerating for effect. We have these stories happening in this room tonight. These stories are happening. And this is why we stand up here and say, you can now worship the Lord with your giving. Why? Because we collect those loaves of, those barley, right? Measures of barley. And we pass it out because people are in need. And the people of God have always been the people who love to carry people to completion. This is who we are. The third thing that I want you to see now, I'll tell you one more story. A lady came into our church three years ago and she said, I'd like to have a meeting. And we said, great, we would love to have a meeting. And what would you like to have a meeting about? And she said, I have a real burden for people who have addictions. And she said, God has been very good to me. And I wanna help people that can barely get out of bed in the morning and people who don't have what they need and people who are hurts, hang-ups, and habits, and people who are stuck, and she wrote a $130,000 check that day. And I just, I, I, you could have peeled me off of the floor. And, and she goes, look, God has been good to me, and there are people who need my strength. Here's the check. I worship the Lord God with this. Don't tell anyone who I am. Make the work happen. And we said, yes, ma'am. Friends, this is who, look, you, you may be able to give $13, you may be able to give $130,000. It doesn't matter the amount, it, matter, it matters about the heart. And, and so I'm just encouraging us to be the community that help each other and carry each other to completion, amen? amen. All right, third thing I wanna say. When I read Ruth, I see a community committed to carrying things to completion for the dead. For the dead. This is so interesting to me that the community, they weren't just concerned about Ruth and Naomi, they were concerned about Elimelech. They were concerned about Naomi's two boys who left behind widows. They, they were concerned about their legacy and their inheritance and their name being carried forward. It wasn't just, oh, glad we got those guys out of the way, we'll take care of these two, but now it's, no, they, they, they honored the stories that had gone before them. And we find a community that cares about carrying things to completion for the dead. This story mentions a lot of dead people. Their stories were interrupted by famine and sickness and war and death and, and chaos breaking out. We've got Tamar and Perez and Ruth and Rachel and Leah and the story of the judges, the people have been exiled, Elimelech and Kilion and Malon. And it says in verse nine, then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of all the dead people. Elimelech and Kilion and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, 
Malone's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead man. Not, finally we got him out of the way and I can have this beautiful woman. No. There's dignity and honor and respect that is due to this man who gave his life in the kingdom of God and we've got to carry his legacy forward. We remember the dead. We remember their sacrifice. We remember their faithfulness. We remember their struggle. And we see that Boaz is interested in doing this in order to maintain the name of the dead man with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. And today you are witnesses that I care not just about Ruth, but I care about her dead husband. And I care about honoring that story and making sure that story gets to completion. Only the people of God do this. Because this is the God who pays attention to life and this is the God who pays attention to death. I'll just say it this way. God refuses to leave the dead alone. (laughs) Wake up, wake up, wake up. Resurrection will come one day. Don't you think that your story stops here? And it says that the elders and the angels and the four living creatures and the dead Christian martyrs and the saints who have gone on before us, they're gathered around the throne and they're crying, holy, 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 and they're interceding, God, how long? How long until you make the world right? God is the God who cares for the dead. God will not leave the situation of death where it is. I'll say it this way. God is terrible at letting death be death. He just won't leave it there. God cannot and will not let a story stop six feet under the ground. God has not forgotten your deceased loved ones and God will not forget your deceased loved ones. And I I, I saw this just recently in such a beautiful way many years ago. It was 13 years ago now. I got the call that no pastor wants to get. Late at night, dear friend here in the church, She lived seven doors down from us and she called and she said, Daniel, get over here. My husband has died. These are our friends. He's 41, three little boys. Get over here. So we race over there and he'd had a brain aneurysm and he was gone. Now mom and three little boys, the day before the dad died was the the oldest boy turned 12. And we just descended into the valley of the shadow of death with our friends and we walked with them and we buried him and we kept those boys close and the next year for the oldest boy's 13th birthday we had this beautiful ceremony a bunch of the important men in his life we took him out and and gave him a sword and prayed over him and spoke life into the whole deal you know just like we know that this is a rite of passage and his dad is not here and so we're going to have that Because God cares about the dead. And he cares about their story, their family's story. A couple years later, this gal who we love so much, she became aware of a man whose wife died when their little boy was 10 months old. They had one little boy, he was 10 months old, she died of cancer, precious woman of God. So these two became aware of one another and we walked with them and we counseled and we prayed and we, and we just watched love flourish. And then in the very room where I officiated her first husband's funeral, I stood and officiated a wedding 
for these two to come together and to be married and these three boys and this one boy now, this beautiful family with four boys. And just last month, I flew to Tulsa, Oklahoma to officiate the, the wedding of the oldest boy who was 12 when his dad died. And now he's this 23, 24-year-old man of God. And I got to stand in my hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I sobbed like a baby. Big surprise. (laughs) Watching the faithfulness of the Lord, the God who cares not just about the living, but the God who cares about the dead. And I was thinking that day about my friend Bart, who had entered his rest, and I was praising the Lord. You know, Bart went away, and this story could have gone any different direction. And here we are watching blessing break out and joy break out and the faithfulness of God. And we sang, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my father, this is the God who cares about the living and this is the God who cares about the dead. And I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus Christ is the statement that God is the God who cares about the dead. Jesus descended when he was crucified and he died on that horribly dark Good Friday night. They put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Jesus, it says in the creed that he went to the place of the dead. He went to the bottom of the barrel. And I'll say it this way. In Jesus' descent into the grave, he drilled through the bottom of the abyss so that the dead in Christ would fall deeper still into the life of God. Jesus didn't, Jesus went went into it and Jesus secured that, that those who have gone, gone into rest in faith, that they will not stay there, that Jesus was dead and on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and those who believe in him will suffer that same trajectory. They go into the grave but they will come out one day. This is the God of the living and the God of the dead and this is the God who will carry our stories forward to completion. I want you to see here But the very last scripture, the very last verse of this whole book, Ruth 4.21, gives us a little genealogy. Salmon was the father of Boaz. We know about Boaz in this story. And then Boaz had this boy with Ruth and his name was Obed. The women named him Obed, the servant of God. And then Obed rose up and he had his own family and he became the father of Jesse. And Jesse had his own family and Jesse was the father of a guy called David the great king of Israel. And David had a son who had a son who had a son who had a son. And then this boy Jesus came from the line of David. And I want you to see that this is the God who can step into the chaos and into the death and into the difficulty and to the heartache. And he can bring his own son through that story. And Jesus is the one who brings salvation. Jesus knows what to do about death. He is the God of the living and he is the God of the dead, and he is the God who will bring all of our stories to completion. Can you say amen? Amen. Would you stand with me tonight, church? If you'd get your communion elements ready to receive, band's gonna come and we're gonna worship the Lord. If you don't have your elements, just raise your hand. We've got people coming across the room to bring them to you. I'm gonna wait till everyone gets one and the band's here. But I want you to open your heart to the Lord in this moment and ask the Spirit for an encounter, a holy encounter tonight. At this table tonight, 
at this meal tonight, we're going to have both ends of the spectrum. People like Boaz who life's been working and the barn is filled with barley and there's strength and there's blessing and there's hope and there's expectancy and there, there's newness breaking out in Boaz's story. He, he's, he's in a moment of strength. We will have people in this room who are in a moment of strength tonight. Praise God for that. We also have people in this room tonight who find themselves walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You feel like Naomi and Ruth when life was falling apart. You felt, they felt alone and you feel alone tonight. You don't feel strength and you're suffering and you're thinking about the, the loved ones that you've buried and, and you're just very aware of death. You're very aware of pain. You're very aware of loss. We've got both, we've got both in this room tonight gathered around the table. For those of you who are strong, Jesus says to whom much is given, much is required, right? This is why Lisa and I are giving tonight because God's been good this year and we want, we want to enter into and give back to those. And so if, if that's you tonight, celebrate and take the responsibility seriously. And if this is you tonight and you're over here, first, we grieve with you tonight. We will not race past death. We will not fake it. We will not ignore the lament. God hears the cry of the afflicted. Scripture says he's close to the brokenhearted and he saves all those who are crushed in spirit. Tonight at the table of the Lord, both, both groups come together. Jesus is here to feed us and Jesus is here to strengthen us and Jesus is here to introduce us to each other <laughs> so that we can live with and for each other. So Holy Spirit, we pray come. And Lord, we pray for those who are in the middle of the ache right now. And I want, I want you to intercede. Those of you who feel strong right now, begin to intercede. Lord, we pray that you would comfort them and secure them and that you would strengthen them. We pray that you would open the windows of heaven over them and pour out blessing, God. We pray, Lord, that you would heal them. We pray that you would take the oil of your spirit and pour it on the wounds tonight. Would you bandage and bind up the wounds and set them on a track toward healing? Would you help them to hear, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you? I pray when they lay their head on the pillow tonight, they would sense the spirit of God dancing over them and rejoicing over them and singing. And I pray that you would give them sweet sleep. The enemy comes to steal our sleep. The enemy comes to torment us. And I pray tonight and in the days ahead that they would feel the gentle whisper and the gentle presence of the Spirit with them. Give them sweet sleep. Lord, we pray for our friends who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, help us to be a part of carrying their stories to completion. And Lord, tonight, we hear your voice. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. You can begin to open up your elements there. And he said, this 
is my body, which is broken for you. Would you break that little wafer there? Jesus was showing us what it would feel like a lot of the time. Snapped in half and broken and torn asunder and the crumbs of your life all around you. This is my body, which is broken for you. I'm, I'm not leaving you there by yourself. I'm going first. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Remember that I am right there with you. Jesus, we receive from you. You may receive the bread tonight. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. And it's given for the remission of your sins. And tonight, for those of you who are carrying the sting and the shame of guilt, in Jesus' name, I pronounce to you, you are forgiven. You are clean. God does not wag the finger at you. He doesn't have a scoreboard in heaven where he's ticked off. God is for you. You are forgiven tonight, and Jesus secured that in his own blood. So be clean tonight and remember Jesus tonight. Friends, you may drink from the cup. Now let's sing this song, what a beautiful name it is.
Let's sing. Come on, church, for the Lord God. Come on. For the Lord God Almighty. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. blessing to the God of the living, all blessing to the God of the dead, all blessing to the God who will not let it stay there, who is carrying us toward resurrection life. We give you praise and honor and glory and power, and riches and wisdom and strength be unto our God.
We join with the elders and the angels and the four living creatures and the saints gathered around the throne crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. We pray strength tonight for the weak. We pray courage tonight for those who are afraid. We pray love tonight for those who feel forgotten. Lord, let your love Take care of your people tonight. I pray, may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? A couple things before you run. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. We would love to pray with any of you about any needs you might have. The second thing is we're doing an adopt a family deal for Christmas, okay? So there are people in our congregation who need us to help give them a good Christmas. We've got needs from children who aren't going to get gifts this year unless we give them. And so we've got also people in our city. So if you want to get signed up for adopt a family, you can meet Pastor Brett back there at the table in the back. Let's give people a great Christmas this year. And no church next Friday night. Hope you have a great week. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.